in the NFL wants to play with Tom Brady because <laughs> the assumption's not far off because everybody does want to ring at some point, and since he, <clears throat> since he steals them all, you know. And by steal, I mean earn every, every bit of it, so since I know this is going out into the world. But uh, thank you, Pastor Jason, and, uh, and, thank you, and thank you all to you, because especially this morning, because you are like the Nordic sailors that brave the weather to be here, and so I I'm, I'm really appreciate uh, all of you being here this morning. And like Pastor Jason said, um, we're going to have some fun this morning, but uh, I just thought because, because uh, we did talk about playing in the NFL that I would share with you the greatest run that I ever had in the NFL to start off. And, and there's, a, there's a purpose for it. It goes into the sermon, but can I do that? Can I be a little self-indulgent this morning? All right. <clears throat> so this was it. It was the year. It's 1998. I led the Colts in, uh, in kickoff returns that year, and uh, the ball was kicked off. I got the ball a couple yards in the end zone. I broke out to the right to get the whole defense to go over that way, and then came back to the left real quick where the wedge was on the hole. And I got to the hole, and there was a guy there. And so I had the ball, and I just kind of did like one of these things. And, and he fell on the ground, right? And so this was really exciting for me because I don't know if you've ever followed my experience, but in the NFL, my career mostly ended with me on the bottom of a pile of 300-pound guys. <laughs> and so for this, I was like, I was, like, I was shocked. And, uh, and so something in my brain said, run, idiot. And so I said, all right, let me, let me do that. So I started running out to the left. Somebody else came, and I, I kind of did right? And, and he fell on the ground. And I'm like, well, this is crazy. This is bananas. This has never happened. So I keep running. I get past the 50-yard line. The only guy left is the kicker, right? So like, I don't know if you know anything about the NFL, but you never let the kicker tackle you, okay? <laughs> and so I run by the kicker, like all the way down 10 yard line, into the end zone. The minute I cross the line, I run into the other room. I get my brother, Greg. I'm like, Greg, you are not going to believe what I just did. And he was like, dude, you did not just wake me up to show me what you did on your PlayStation. <laughs> and and I was like, but my thumbs was going crazy. And, and he was like, get out of my room. And he said, and by the way, I think it's pretty sad that the greatest run you ever had in your NFL career happened in your living room, okay? <laughs> so, but you have to ask yourself, like, all right, so why did I tell you a story about video games this morning? Is because I feel like we have a country, we have a nation, we have a world that loves video games, right? Like, we all play video games. I don't care if it's, if it's Pac-Man, if it's, if it's my Gears of War. I, I, that's my favorite, but... Um, <laughs> But, I mean, Fortnite had a, had a, had a year-long competition. Like, they, were, they gave away $20 million in prizes. Like, like this is amazing. Like, so why? Why do we love video games so much? Like, I, I would submit to you because we get all of this exhilaration, all of this entertainment, all of this fun, all of this action without what? Without consequences. Right? Because if I'm playing Gears of War and I get blown up by the frag grenade, what happens? Well, I, I reset, right? So I heard somebody, somebody in the back went, you respawn. Like, that's the gamer, right? Like, like, everybody else is like, you start over. And the gamer's like, you respawn, right? So, like, you start over. But here's the thing in life. Sometimes there's no reset button, is there? Man, sometimes, guys, we make decisions. We make choices with our lives that put us into places that we never should have been in the first place. Sometimes my feet take me into places they never should have gone. My hands, they do things they never should have done. And my mouth says things it never should have. But, but, but you have to understand that the choices that we make dictate the life that we lead. And sometimes because of the choices we make, we end up with the frag grenade of life, right? And we end up blowing up and on our back. And we go, man, how did I even get here? So we have to talk about choices this morning. I said before, the choices that you make dictate the life that you lead, Right? So we have to ask ourselves, what guides the choices we make? That's what, this, that's what it's about this morning. What, what guides the choices we make? Because here's, here's a simple truth. Your life system, 
the system that you have, that you put in place to make choices, your life system is perfectly designed for your life results. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't outside factors that enter into it, but your overall life is dictated by the system with which you operate. And so what is your system? How do we make choices that lead to habits, that lead to character, culture, and life? I could tell you my philosophy, but who cares? I'm just a dude. So why don't we go to the Word, and let's see how Paul makes decisions, because I figured that, that may be a pretty good model to follow. How about you? And so we're going to look at Acts today, Acts uh, chapter 16, uh, verses uh, 6, 6 through 10, maybe, right? So let's take a look at it. And so it says, and they, and they, as Paul and his companions, went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Wait, hold on. Isn't Paul an evangelist? Okay, look, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why would the Holy Spirit forbid him to speak? We've got to keep going. And, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow... Hold on. Uh, is my, Pastor Jason, I think my Bible's broken. <laughs> or, or it must be out of batteries or something, right? Because what, what is Paul's calling? To be what? To preach the gospel to who? Everybody, right? The Gentiles, everybody, right? So what in the world is going on here where God, where the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of Jesus would keep him from doing that with which he is called to do? Man, I don't know about you, but that doesn't make any sense to me. But, and do you think Paul got frustrated and maybe questioned God when he wasn't allowed to go? Do you think he was tempted to push through? Do you think he was tempted to say, man, that ain't God, right? That can't be, that can't be the big man. Because this is what I was born to do. That can't be God. Like, doesn't he know this is the perfect person that I need to marry? Man, that can't be God. Doesn't he know this is the perfect job opportunity for me? Man, that, like, put yourself in that situation for a second. The man who's the master at speaking the word, God tells him not to do it. So I think Paul was tempted right there to put his calling over his call. So what would make the difference in his life? Well, let's keep going. So passing by Misnia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Help me out. Someone say vision. Vision. Right? It says a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Another version says Paul had a vision, right? And it was a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the immediately... We, his whole group, sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see, what made the difference in Paul's life was vision, a clear-cut understanding of who he was and where God wanted him to be. And so that's what we have to talk about this morning. We have to talk about vision. So every single one of us needs something bigger than a calling, and bigger than a life system, what we need is vision. And vision, revelation comes directly from God. And so again, vision is the ability to be open to revelation, to have a clear scope of who God desires you to be and where he wants you to be. And sometimes that's lifelong, sometimes that's three to five years. And we need vision in multiple areas of our life, but that's where it starts. So the big thought today, the big idea is that vision, catching God's vision empowers your life. So let's unpack that. I love Proverbs 29, 18. There's three different versions here. Um, 
And I, lo I love multiple versions of the Bible. I know we, we, we're, we're, we're rock solid on the ESV, and it's awesome. Um, and sometimes other ones, like, give you different words or different, and it, and it kind of opens up the word a little bit. So this is where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is the one who keeps the law. Another version says, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Where there is no prophetic vision, another version I read said revelation, right? Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. What you see right here in scripture is a tale of two visions. There's one person in that first part who's, who's not following God, and the second part is the one who is. But here's the truth, and I want you to embed this in your heart, that two visions equals what, folks? It equals division. And when you have two visions operating at the same time, you become a double-minded double person. And uh, I love the story of Jonah. When I think about, like, when I think about division, there's a clear-cut story, the story of Jonah. I'm sure most of you have read it, but for those who haven't, it, there's a story about this prophet named Jonah, and God gave him a vision. God gave him a calling. He already had a calling, right? But God gave him the direct vision to go to a city named Nineveh and preach the truth of God. But he didn't want to because he didn't like the Ninevites right? And so what did he do? He ran from God. He got on a boat and he sailed as far away as he could. But the calling, the vision kept pounding, kept pounding and pounding. And finally, Jonah came to the conclusion that it would be better for him to die than to disobey the vision of God. And so he jumped overboard. And he's like, I'm out. Like, and then we know that the, the story that this fish swallows him, brings him to Nineveh, spits him up on the land, and he goes and he, and he you know, preaches the truth of God, the city repents, many, many people come to know the Lord. Even then, at the end of the story, I, can t I, I keep reading because it goes on when he's trying to figure this all out behind a tree, under a tree, and you really see in his heart these two sides, these, these two visions, two visions, and two visions always equals division, and so we have to choose which one to feed. We have to choose which one to follow, because it will be just like Mr. Miyagi in the original uh, uh, karate kid. If you do karate, yes, good. You do karate, no, good. You're in the middle, like, great, right? You remember when he said that? How many are old enough to remember the karate kid? Not the new one, not the new one, the old one with Mr. Miyagi, but it's the same thing. Like, he knew the truth of God, Two, two visions equals division. And so what areas of our lives do we need God's vision for our lives? The thing that goes beyond calling. I would submit to you, it's not just one overall vision. We have one vision for our family. The vision for our family is oneness. It's one word, pretty simple. The vision for the Elias family is oneness. It's oneness with God and oneness with each other. That's the vision. That's the boundary. That's how we roll. But we also have vision in other areas of our lives, our relationships, our finances, our purpose, our calling. We need God's vision for our life in all of these areas. And the reason why is because vision does three amazing things for us. And that's what we're going to talk about the rest of our time. So vision will guide, vision will provide, and vision will lead to building resilience. So vision will guide you, vision will provide for you, and vision will build resilience. So as we think about how vision guides, it does, in, in, in guiding you, it does three simple things. It simplifies your choices and informs your priorities and always incorporates passion. But simplifies your choices. So one of the things I get to do in my role, now I, I work for the NFL and the NFL's player engagement department. And so we provide all the substantive programming for all the NFL athletes, um, basically during and, and after their NFL experience, okay? And so um, I get to speak to teams quite often. And, and 
One of the last year before COVID, I got to speak to two, two clubs in particular, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts. And they said, like, well, if you could say one thing, one was to the rookies and one was to the whole team. And I sat down with head coach uh, uh, Frank Reich of the Colts and their, and their um, player engagement director, David Thornton. And we said, what would be the best thing you could tell our team? And it came down to this one word, vision. And I told these young players that you always have to start with the end in mind, right? Pick someone in the locker room whose experience you want and get in that dude's pocket, right? You, if you have a clear-cut understanding of who you want to be and where you want to be in the next three to five years, every single choice you make will be so simple because it will fall into two categories. It will either bring you closer to that vision you have for your life or further away. It's that simple. So as you create vision for your life and your relationships, your finances, your purpose, your calling, your job, all of your choices get real simple. Do they bring you closer to that vision God has for your life or do they bring you further away? Simplifies choices. Paul's ultimate vision, by the way, wasn't to preach the gospel. It was to please God with his gifts. And so he was able to say, oh, so it's not about whether or not I'm preaching the gospel, because I'm going to do that. But it's to whom, right? It's not about whether or not you should get married. Sometimes it's, it's just to who you should get married, right? Like, so God incorporates your passion also as well. But so in our, in our, in our finances, we have, we have a vision for our finances that I'll share. And it's pretty simple. My wife came up with it. And it and, and it's also goes into our definition of wealth. But, but the vision for our finances is that we want to be a family that does and not a family that has. And so that little statement right there, it, it, it purposefully touches our budget as to how we, where we invest and, and, and where we put our money and what we do. We don't collect things, we collect experiences. And that, that's, that's our vision, right? And, and so for us, the definition of wealth is living beneath your means. And whatever it is that God has set for you to have, if you live beneath your means, then you've got this room to play and this room to invest in, in the kingdom. By the way, when I say invest, I mean the kingdom. Just make sure we clear that up. And, right? and that's why this morning I asked you if that one thing was done yet because that, that's on my heart. And, and when the more you, you know, I believe that God, investing in God is even better than investing in Bitcoin. That's just my personal opinion. So, <laughs> all right. So, Vision simplifies your choices and informs your priority. Another vision that I have is a vision as a husband. And the vision that I have as a husband that on my deathbed, I'll be able to look up my wife, look up to my wife and say, I was faithful. That's the vision that I have as a husband. I will be faithful, right? And so what does that mean? Well, guess what? Then that informs how I use my time. That informs how I use my words. That informs what I put under my eyes, right? And how I cultivate other relationships, especially relationships with the opposite sex. So my phone's always open to my wife. Hers is always open to mine. And when we get even in ministry situations with the opposite sex, we quickly rope the other one in. And, but the vision is what informs the priority. And then finally, the vision incorporates passion, which I already a little bit said. It wasn't whether right Paul should preach, but it was just to who. And so God always incorporates how he created you to be part of that vision. And I love if you look at that, the verses of Proverbs 29, 18, if you look at the people who were following God's vision, what did we have? They were happy, 
They were joyful. They were blessed because there's exceeding abundance of joy in the vision that God has for you in your life. And so, um, so vision guides, right? It guides us. But here's the other cool thing. Vision also provides for us. If you pursue your vision, provision will hunt you down. That's a really cool picture. I had a different picture up, and, and Graham, he's awesome. He's like, your picture's not good. I'm putting a better picture up. And so, and he did. And so, Graham, thank you. That's, that's awesome. Like, provision will hunt you down. Provision will hunt you down. So let's take a look at, at, the, at the word. Here's, so as we move, out, move on into Acts, now that they jumped into Macedonia, they, they started preaching the gospel, Right? And it says, one of the people who heard us was a woman named Lydia, and she was from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized and her whole household as well, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed. She persuaded us. She persuaded us. She prevailed upon us. Hospitality, provision. But what would have happened if Paul had said before, you know what, that can't be God. I'm going over here. Like, forget it. I'm going over to Troas or wherever it was that he wasn't supposed to go. What would have happened? We don't really know, right? We don't know, and I can't speculate. But I will say that pushing through on something when you feel that God's restraint is not always the good idea. And yet when he did seek God's vision, God's provision follows. But don't mistake that for me believing it will be smooth sailing. Provision and challenges are not the same thing. There most certainly will be challenges on the road to God's vision, right? And that's why the third point I wanted to make today is that vision also provides a place to build resilience. Vision builds resilience. So if you consider what happened to Paul as he continued to follow God's vision, then you'll understand that the message of the gospel, I'm here to tell you, it's not always received well. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if that's ever been your, your experience. But the gospel isn't always received well, okay? And it's not always received right away. And in this particular case, it landed Paul in conflict and violence. And so as we continue on in Acts, it says the crowd joined in attacking them, right? And the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them in prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And so like... It's so easy to read these stories and be like, yeah, that's awesome, right? But put yourself in that situation. God's called you to preach the gospel. Maybe it's in another country. Maybe it's, it's down the road. And it gets so bad, whatever happens, that you end up in jail. And put yourself there. What would your response be? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's authentic time, right? My response would be, how did you let this happen? I followed you. What is your problem? Like, I thought we had a deal, right? That would be my response, not lying. But Paul, it says at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. I pray. My prayer would probably be of the rated R variety. 
But it says they were singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Ah, God in his awesome plan had them get to the place where they couldn't have gotten to unless they were arrested. Because vision's like that. It's going to take you places you never expected. But here's the deal. How is it possible for them to persevere and even praise and sing for joy to the Lord when they, fo- when they followed him and he led them into a trap, into the prison, into beatings? How is that possible? I submit to you, it's when you know that you are in the dead center of God's will. They knew they were in God's hand. They knew they followed God. When you know that you're in the dead center of God's will, when you know you are following God's plan for your life, when you have taken a hold and caught in his vision and you are on fire for his vision, something happens. It gives you strength. It gives you strength to meet the day with joy and steadfastness. It helps you keep your eye on the prize because you know that your suffering has a purpose. So when you follow God's vision, it will guide. It will guide your choices, right? It's going to guide your priorities. It's going to incorporate your passions. It's going to provide. If you seek God's vision, provision will hunt you down. And then also it builds resilience. When you know you are in the dead center of God's will, no matter what's happening on the outside, on the inside, you feel not just peace, but you feel power and you feel fire. You feel fire in your bones that won't be shut up because you're in God's perfect will. So then we have to ask ourselves a question is then how do we get God's vision for our life, right? Because if you're like, this sounds great. I want the vision. I want it. I want to be able to walk with God in the cool of the day, as they say. So how do I get it? And and here's here's what's, this is really important. The answer is super easy. Doing it is super hard, right? And so people would say, how do I get in the NFL? You run a sub 4, 440. Answer's real easy. Doing it a little bit more difficult, right? So how do I get God's vision for my life? Number one, ask him, right? This is, this is nothing new here. Sorry for not bringing you new revelation today. You ask God for vision for your life. You take the initiative with your time and with his word and through prayer. These right here, are the tenets of discipleship. They are simple, they are deep, they are perfect, they need to be intentional, and they're difficult. You must, especially in our world where we substitute uh, activity for achievement, time is of the essence. Time, time, his word. He always confirms what he's doing in your life through his word and prayer. That's simply talking to God. Talking to God and listening. Talking and listening to God. Ultimately, it comes down to this. It comes down to engaging God. Being with him. Hanging out with him. On your lunch break. At the park. Wherever it is. Always be led by the Holy Spirit. Because every sermon ever preached at its heart is designed for one thing. And that's to encourage you to draw closer to God. That's the whole reason anyone ever stands up here. The second thing you do after all that, by the way, the next step is wise counsel. And so uh, that's the picture of wisdom to me, but you may have another picture of wisdom, okay? <laughs> so like, there's, a, there's a reason why the Bible talks about, did you say who is that? <laughs> I'm so old. 
You don't know Obi-Wan Kenobi. Next, all right, next, next, uh, next service, we'll put up Gandalf. Like, all right, so. Um, so here it is. I'm, I'm thrown off now. No, it's wise counsel. Like, there's a reason the Bible says, like, with, with the wisdom, right? Come, gray hair brings wisdom, right? It says something like that in the Bible, right? Yeah, so here's an idea, folks. Like, if you have an issue, talk to some of the gray-haired folks in the church here, right? Talk to the people. I love the idea of a mentor. I am so sold on, on having mentors, man. A mentor is a credible person who has done the very thing you want to do, right? That's the person who's walking ahead of you, the trailblazer that you can follow, right? Because here's the thing. And the first people that God has put in your life to, for wise counsel are your parents. If your parents have a problem with your boyfriend or girlfriend, there's probably a problem, all right? I mean, like that, that's, that's, that's something we have to start to embrace more is that there's a reason for, for seeking wise counsel, and, and that means that that person who I'm pointing to, they are a master in the, the things before. Taking time, word, prayer. That's what I mean by wise counsel, right? And that's helpful. And then, and then, of course, like I said before, just engage in God. Just intentional time in your life. We read a book for our, the Lit series that, they, if I remember one thing from the book, it was a poem. And it was about fire. And it said, like, when you stack wood for a fire, if you stack the wood right on top of each other and you don't leave any room for it, the fire can't grow, right? Like fire, it needs space to grow. And, to, and, and so you have to take space during your week every single day for God to light your fire, okay? So that's engaging God. And then, and so just to, to I mean, we're, we're uh, I mean, I just thought that was a pretty cool picture, by the way, because it's like, we don't think about like spending time with God in every, in every area of our life. And I thought that was a good picture of, of, that demonstrated it. But as we wrap up this morning, so this is a, uh, just quick to get in and out. You know, I wanted to give you a la one last story, one last picture of what, what, how important vision is for your life. And so when I was done playing, I got an opportunity to, to speak to a couple of really cool places. And one of them was Mountain Home Air Force Base. And I got to speak to um, a bunch of fighter pilots. And, one, and then fighter pilots, if you don't know a lot about fighter pilots, they're, they're, they're some of the sickest, sickest athletes in the world. Like, these guys are, are incredible, right? And so this guy, and they all have call signals, right? And the call signals are like Viking, right? Like, who, what's the most favorite, famous call signal of all time? Thank you. Did you know that one? Okay, because I'm like, I, Maverick, right? They're, they're not like, you know, Buttercup. Like, they don't, they're not like Puppy Dog, right? <laughs> They're like the coolest, toughest things. Well, this guy's call signal was flip. And so I was like, what does that mean, right? And so I said to him, all right, so tell me the story. So here's how it happened. So he was up doing maneuvers in, in those, you know, his F-22 whatever, and, he's, and he does this barrel roll thingy, and, and all of a sudden this light from, the, from the, the cockpit dashboard pops off in the air. But this, like I said, wicked athlete. He snatches it out of the air, and he puts it in his pocket, and he keeps on doing his maneuvers. Right, so he lands the plane, everything's all good in the world, and then um, they go to him, they say, hey, where's the light? And he was like, well, I, I don't know, what do you mean? I don't know, what are you talking about? He had no memory that he had caught this light off of the board, right? And so he went back, put his flight suit in the locker, hung out, but now the mechanics, they had to strip the entire plane down. They had to find this piece. So this billion dollar piece of equipment wasn't allowed to do what it was called to do. It wasn't allowed to fly. It wasn't allowed to take off. It wasn't allowed to soar because it didn't have the light. Three days later, I don't think that was a coincidence. 
Three days later, my man remembers where the light is. He goes into his locker, grabs his jumpsuit, opens up his pocket, and there it is. And so he gives it to the mechanics, and now this machine that was meant to fly, now it can fly, now it can soar, now it can be among the heavens because my man found the light in his pocket. (laughs) But here's the thing. You were meant to soar. You were meant to fly. You were meant to be among the heavens. You have a heavenly calling. You have a heavenly purpose. You have been called and purposed by God to do mighty things. But you can't do it if you leave the light in your locker. You can't do it if you leave the light behind. It's only when we embrace the light of God, of Jesus, the vision for our life, that we can soar and the purpose for which we were called. And so as we revisit our big thought for today, remember that God's vision, God's, that light of God's vision, that revelation, it empowers your life. And so the challenge this week is to pray and write down God's vision for you in several areas of your life. I gave you some of ours. I gave you my finances. I gave you my, my, my husband. But... There's relationships, there's purpose, there's your job, there's your calling. Like, where does, what does God, who has God called you to be in those places and where does he want you to be in the next three to five years? But in order to do this, you must first know the light. And so I'm gonna close with a a simple prayer today. If you're listening out there and you're like, this all sounds great, but you've never met the light of Jesus Christ, I'm just gonna give you an opportunity through a simple prayer to say hello. And so I'm going to ask us all just to bow our heads for a second as we pray. And for those out there, if you want this light that's going to make you fly, that's going to make you soar, let's pray. Jesus, I know, Lord, that I've either left the light really far behind in a locker somewhere or I've never known it. And so I'm asking you, Jesus, right now to come into my life. Turn on my heart light. Tell me who you are. Come and be my Lord and my Savior for this life and the life to come. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I'll leave you with this. Get vision no matter the cost because it will change and empower your life. Amen. Thank you.